One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. Joining me after a few weeks away, he's back, he's cozy, it's cozy season, it's chilly season, it's uh, jacket season, hoodie season, it's my favorite type of year where you want to warm up, it's it's fall, uh, and basketball is almost here, the stash is back. <laughs> Best college basketball writer on the internet today. Statsoil.substack.com. Subscribe today. It's Will Warren himself down there in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Will, good evening, sir. How are you? Doing well. Great intro. Uh, three things. One, mm. um, cozy season. So we went to the Cider Mill in Michigan last week. On Sounds delightful. It was really, it was really great. Mm. But uh, one of the workers there was like, "What are you doing wearing shorts?" I was like. It's 60. It's not bad. 60 mm. shorts weather to me. I, I would wear shorts down to about 55 outside. Okay. I mean, assuming obviously like no strong breeze or whatever, uh-huh. but like, you know, 60 cloudy, not bad. Right. And she was like appalled that I was wearing shorts. She was like, put some pants on or, you know, whatever in that accent. And what area so, was this? Uh, suburban Detroit, Southfield. Or, That's surprising. No, I feel like Detroit. For my Michigan or, heads. I would assume that Northerners would wear shorts longer. Me too. And I was surprised that it was such a big deal. That's odd. So I, I don't know. I, did, I thought it was funny when she said it. Um, Interesting. I don't remember what the second one was, but number three, I've been working on a good one this week. Uh, mm. How about Joe Zaya, Jordan Milton? How about that? And we're all still waiting for the breakout. Okay. After 700 years of him being uh, the next best thing. Hey, it now is the time will warren the the fear i have for ut fans um maybe this is poorly colored being from like my days as a michigan fan too uh i remain steadfast in believing you have not seen a great joe game or mm. a truly horrid joe game yet it's all still on the table i hope that's not the case uh, i hope well, we've, but the I, thing is yeah. this could be the week where the roulette wheel comes up and you get you know 250, two touchdowns, no picks. Like, I saw that happen at Michigan. Or this could be the roulette. Well, this could be the week of 78 yards and three picks and benched in the third quarter. You absolutely have no idea what's going to come. I have a heart. 
it, I struggle to I we can go on a whole thing about like why I'm just so mixed on this Tennessee game and I can't wait to watch it in New York at the Tennessee sports bar in Manhattan what is uh, it called printers alley oh like the Nashville street or neighborhood or whatever I don't know maybe huh, I'm not sure interesting yeah but it's in uh, it's in Manhattan and it's uh, a lot of UT alums go on uh, game day and stuff. But yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, they got the Tennessee flag out there. I'm very excited to uh, watch a Tennessee football game outside uh, Printer's Alley on uh, on what Saturday? Yeah, what's today? Thursday. Mm-hmm. This is all, all, everything's <laughs> mixed up when you travel and you're about to go out of town and do everything else. Um, but no, it'll be fun. I I don't know. We'll see what happens with Tennessee. They I think they can win, but I also hate that I'm talking myself into uh, them being able to win at Alabama. But I really do think it is very much on the table um, with this version of Alabama. Will that's a yes. natural transition uh, to <laughs> the Clemson Tigers because everyone wants to talk about Clemson. But do you know they actually want to talk about Clemson basketball? They actually want to talk about no, whether don't. or not Clemson basketball is going None to. None of their fans care about this. Hey, they want to re. They want now that football. Terrence Oglesby, is- my man, Terrence Oglesby is the only Clemson fan who likes basketball more than football. Well, there's got to be others out there. There have to be others out there. I mean, I'm right here with Tennessee football, uh, Tennessee basketball, where I see like preseason number one in the SEC, and I'm like, honestly, this football season can go ahead and get the hell out of here, Will, because it's mm-hmm. time for basketball and baseball season, where I know you're going to be the best team on paper going into <laughs> the year, so that uh, that I'm here for. Uh, I'm, I'm getting another great part of the weather getting colder is the elite of the elite uh, Tennessee sports right around the corner, but mm-hmm. Clemson, hey, if you're not having fun as a Clemson fan, are you going to have fun as a Clemson basketball fan in the next couple of weeks, sir? Um... Depends. Oh, no. <laughs> I feel like you can functionally say the exact same thing about Clemson every single year, which is that they are going to be on the bubble in February. Mm. Uh, whether they come up on the right side of that bubble is anyone's guess basically every year. So uh, you kind of look at the Brad Brownell era, which is now mm. 13. This will be year 14, which is kind of crazy to say. That's like way long. Oliver Purnell was last there in 2010. And that doesn't feel that long ago, but that's true. Mm. So this is Brett Brownell's. 14th season at the helm at Clemson. Hmm. So he's been there forever. And so I'm just going to go in order. This is start AK 2011 to this year. Hmm. And this is just like, did you make the tournament? Yes or no? Yes. No, 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 no. (laughs) Yes. No, no. Yes. No, no. So that's three bids in 13 years with one, there was, I mean, in 2018, they did make the Sweet 16. That was year they blew out Auburn in the second round and I think played Kansas fairly well. I don't totally remember. But it, regardless, I think you can say that Clemson is a program, maybe like the expectations aren't that high. But it is kind of wild that he's gotten this long of a leash when you look back and like, yeah, there's the tail end of the Rick Barnes era. They were cooking a little bit, but like, I mean, Oliver Purnell, even who I don't think anybody would rate as like the greatest coach in human history, went to the tournament three straight years at the end of the t- his tenure before he dipped for a different job. Mm. I mean, three and thirteen at a program like yeah, Clemson does not contribute the resources to basketball that like a UNC does, obviously, but they're not strapped for cash. It's Clemson. Like you're gonna have bucks uh, all over the place with. Uh, Clemson athletics and like you have former players who have gone on to the pros. You've got like a lot of recruiting that you could be doing. And it just seems like Brownell's thing 
is every time that he's on the hot seat, he does just enough that you can't fire him. Mm. He's turned it into an art form. I mean, like, <laughs> uh, my man Philly Donovan has called it like the Brad Brownell Award of getting yourself just enough off of the hot seat one year, but still being on the hot seat the next season. Can Clemson do better? Probably. I mean, when I look at you, all you have to do is look at the state itself. Like you have mm. Pat Kelsey down the interstate in Charleston. Yeah. You have Takeo Siddle at UNC Wilmington. Like you've got a lot of like CAA type of options that would be pretty thrilled to have that job. Or, I mean, even if you wanted to make a real money play within your own conference, see what Steve Forbes asking price is. You don't know mm. unless you ask. So uh, I think that people would want that job. Now, for this year's specific team, I, like every other normal person, have them squarely on the bubble. Mm. Um, I rack my brain here. I believe I have them fifth in my ACC power ranking. So I got Duke, UNC, Miami, and UVA ahead. I, I think fifth is about right. I could see them finishing anywhere from like third to tenth or so, maybe mm. third to ninth. And it's just entirely dependent on like, do they win their close games this year? Because last year... I thought they were really lucky to even be near the tournament because they did not have a terribly impressive resume despite 14 and six in the ACC. They had losses to Louisville, which was truly nasty, but you also had a neutral loss to Loyola, a bad Loyola road mm. loss to South Carolina road loss to Boston college. I mean, they kind of remind me of the meme where the guy shoves a stick in his bike wheel to uh, be like, Oh, someone mm -hmm. did this to me. And it's like, <laughs> Clemson, you did it to yourself again. You always do. Um, I have so, no recollection of their sweet 16 run. It is very, because when I think of that bracket, yeah. the only thing I can remember is Auburn escaping Charleston in the first round. Cause hmm. I was at like a bar for that one. I was like, Oh, this is one that Bruce might blow again, but that was, yeah. it. I don't remember anything else, but yeah, I mean, I, they have P.J. Hall, who is a great player. I mean, as long as P.J. Hall's in the game, Clemson's going to have a chance. And I think Chase Hunter is quite good, too. And they got Joe Girard from Syracuse, who can really shoot the heck out of the ball. I don't like much of anything about this team defensively. I uh, don't think any of them, aside from maybe Hall, ran out as net positives. I, I think it's going to be a year where they could have a top 20 offense on Ken Palm but mm. their defense could be hovering around like triple digit levels. So I, I think they're going to have to play a lot of high scoring games, which is good for them. This is, I mean, this ACC is not a conference full of world beaters. It really is just like Duke, UNC and questionably Miami that you feel a real confidence in right now. So there's opportunity for them to rise up the ranks, but again, I just, we'll see if Brad Brennell can do it yet again, if he can pull the rabbit out of the hat for like the sixth time in his tenure. But uh, I have a hard time believing in them t too much. Yeah, I just, it seems like they go back and forth. I think they go back to around 500. They either like are 10 games over 500 or 500. They're either 10 games over 500, eight games over 500 or 500. They never have sustained success and i just wonder if that's the nature yeah. of the job or if that's just brunel's kind of the name of what he can really be with this program maybe it's a that's as much i, I don't know i don't know uh, it's a chicken of the egg type thing with with clemson basketball i could for sure see a scenario where like if they regress a little bit this year and they don't get quite as lucky in closer games like they go in it bound i'm not totally sure he's got that job next season but i i think once again it's going to go right down to the wire 
yeah, I'm I'm curious where Clemson ends up going into this season, sir. Um, most likely, worst to first story in any conference of the season. Uh, getting closer, I thought these kind of questions would be fun uh, leading up to the season each week. Will, when you think of all the all the different conferences, a lot of options here. Who do you think of all the different conferences? When you think about this, who is most likely to go from worst to first in their respective conference? Doesn't mean you think you would predict it, but of all the available options, who stands out most to you? I've got three here, and it's kind of so it's two sort of tricks I'm looking for. One is the new coach, mm. uh, because you figure like year the before, bump. and two of these, okay. one of these examples is going to be really obvious when you hear it. Um, where they were, they just like had a total like program wide implosion and are you know starting over. Mm. But that means you don't know anything about the team. And the other is the rubber band effect, where the team underachieved so horribly mm. last year that it makes sense they would maybe rebound. It's like a dead cat bounce; they rebound in the other direction. Mm. So in order here, if well, yeah, roughly in order of conference name, uh, I got Austin P in the Atlantic Sun. Uh, Loyola in the A10, and then New Mexico State in the WAC has my top three. New Mexico State's a good buy low candidate. Yeah, Austin P. This is because so they fired. I don't even. Oh, Nate James was the guy's name. Uh, okay. It's like a Duke assistant, and he wasn't. So, uh, not to be rude, but I'm built different. Anyway, Austin, so they hired Corey Gibson from Northwestern State, who I don't know if people like followed their story last year, but they were pretty bad. And then he instantly came in there and won 24 games, like hmm. in the first year of head coaching. So you could kind of look at that and be like, well, is that repeatable or not? And I mean, that's, you know, reasonable, but it's not like the ASUN is full of world beaters. They lost Liberty to the CUSA hmm. and the best teams in there are not bad. I mean, you got Eastern Kentucky who's favored to win it. FGCU is going to be a factor. Lipscomb is going to be pretty good, but like Kennesaw state lost their awesome head coach. Yeah. I mean, Bellerman lost a ton of talent. There's a gap in here where you could see, I mean, I don't have them first, obviously, but you could see a pretty quick rise to like fourth in the conference and no one would really be shocked. So like they bring in DeMarcus Sharp from Northwestern State, who is a baller last year. If you don't know who DeMarcus Sharp is, get familiar. Jamonte Black, who hit more threes than anybody last year in terms of returners to college basketball this season. So I like that team a lot. Loyola I love Austin Peay's new, new court, by the way. What? Uh, have you seen their new court? Oh, no. I'm, I'm scared. No, Austin P's new court's good. Okay, good. Because I liked their football hats that had 931 on it. I thought those were good, too. Okay, it's... Uh... All right, I'm looking at it live here. F&M Bank Arena. The Gary I see a, a link court. of the one right here that you can see. The... Oh, I like that. So with the state outline at the middle. Yes, I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a nice... That's a good touch. That's a I big like that. logo. It's a good court. Thumbs up. Yeah. Um, other two here, Loyola and the A10. Loyola underachieved their Ken Palm preseason projection by more than anyone else last year. Hmm. When I looked into that this offseason for teams who'd underachieved by like a pretty extreme margin, I think it was 10 points or more uh, from what Ken had. Those teams ended up overachieving the next year on the whole by about six points. Hmm. And Loyola's already a top 100 team at Ken Palm. This hmm. is not like a great A10. It's it's going to be improved over last year's, which was unfortunately really bad. But there is a big time area of opportunity for Loyola to go worse to first. 
New Mexico State is the one with the greatest swing power in either direction. So I think people yeah. are like generally aware of their story. Basically, shut down the program for three months uh, due to a murder investigation and a Never lot did. of horrible stuff that went on. Uh, hired Jason Hooten from Sam Houston State, who ran an awesome defense and does not return a single minute from last year's roster for good reason. Mm. Total blow-up project, completely new. And I think that because there's so much uncertainty, this really could go either way, where either New Mexico State could be like dead last in CUSA, a rebuilding one but still a pretty good conference, and really struggle, or because that analytical models don't really know how to capture this type of team, where there's so much uncertainty that they're kind of aiming for the middle, but what if all of this gels together really fast? Like they absolutely could battle with Liberty and Sam Houston State for that conference title. So it's just a 19 conference. Worst of first is not going to be that hard. And New Mexico State, even in their darkest times, has remained a really tough place to play. So I I could see that being like a surprise year one worst of first story. Okay. I like it. Um, who is most likely to go from best in their conference to worst in their conference. This is the, this is just the exact same uh, idea from the previous prompt, but the flip side of you lost your coach and you lost everything that you had. Yeah. So Texas A&M Corpus Christi in the Southland, which is a mouthful to say. That's Kennesaw State in the A-Sun and then Utah Man. Valley in the WAC. Uh, so the fun thing about TAMUCC, which there's no real, they're the Islanders. Let's just call them the Islanders, mm-hmm. uh, is on Ken's site. It just shows up as Texas A&M Corpus Chris. So I've been calling them Corpus Chris in my head lately because for whatever <laughs> reason, his site doesn't put the full name. Mm-hmm. But Corpus Chris, so they lost Steve Lutz to Western Kentucky, which is bad enough. Yeah, uh, Steve Lutz was awesome at um with the Islanders, but they lost a ton of talent. I don't like what they brought back like at all. They only have nine percent of their minutes returning. Total rebuilding project. They did get Steve's like top assistant to stay around, but looking at the roster, they don't have any good scoring options. The returners shot twenty eight percent from three last year. It's going to be a really ugly watch for most of the year. So I could see them underperforming. The other two are sort of the same strategy. Kennesaw State is less about the roster and more that I think Abdurrahim is like a future genuine, like Jerome Tang level star of coaching. Huh. Um, they return a decent bit from last year's roster, including Trell Burden and Damon Robinson, but they hired outside of the family. It's a former Alabama assistant, Antoine Petway. Mm. who, I mean, is going to install a totally new system on offense that they're not used to, likely a pretty new system defensively too. That could work out just fine, and they could be really good. I wouldn't be shocked. But year one, when you're doing wholesale changes like that, it can be hard to sustain that success. Same kind of goes for Utah Valley. You lost Mark Madsen, who I love as a head coach, to Cal, and lost basically every functional piece of that team with him. So I I could see a scenario where they're quite bad, unfortunately. That stinks. You kind of have that breakthrough, and then you lose your coach, and then you're like, oh, man. Uh, what? Yeah. But uh, there is another... By the, by the way, great yeah. job by uh, Stanford not firing Gerard Haas to hire literal alum Mark Madsen, who now goes to coach for their biggest rival. I think it's more spicy, though. ACC legends, by the way, Cal and Stanford. 
That's true. As well as ACC Legends SMU soon. Yes. Uh, very normal sport we have here. Um, speaking of uh, normal sport and normal conferences and teams that definitely didn't get left out, uh, left behind in the college football world and now college basketball, really, in a way. The Memphis Tigers, Will Warren, the team that Rick Barnes, I don't think, will be playing in even after this extension kicks in uh, for Tennessee over the next couple of years. Sir, um, new starting five check-in uh, this week. The Memphis Tigers, when you look at who you think the new starting five will be for Memphis, do you like it? What do you like about it? What are some questions with the starting five? What uh, what fascinates you about the Tigers right now? Uh, they're going to be an extremely fascinating team the entire season. Uh, hmm. I I don't know. So I think some people are aware of like how Memphis's offseason went, but maybe like your like Joe basketball fan might not be. So hmm. let's loop it back a little here. So Memphis eight seed last year lost FAU by points right in that round hmm. of six four game. Like probably should have won because the refs blew it functionally. Um, Memphis only returns 15% of their minutes from that team. The leading returning scorer is Malcolm Dandridge, uh, who scored six a game. The other is Penny Hardaway's son. So what they have done is raided the portal uh, with a house on fire strategy that really might be unlike anything I've seen from a non-year one coach. Uh, mm. Like Their top six players are all transfers, and they are old as hell. <laughs> four, four of their starting five are grad students. The fifth is just a normal senior. He's 22. Mm. They are old for college basketball. There are multiple 25-year-olds in the starting lineup. Hmm. That's BYU in the Mid-South. Yeah. Uh, but they're not Mormon. So at least I don't think they are. You know, good for them if they are. I don't care. But mm. anyway, they got a little lucky here where like Jaquan Walton was going to go to Alabama got arrested for weight possession. Nate Oates doesn't really want to deal with the police right now, obviously. Yeah. So dropped him like a hot rock. Jaquan transfers to Memphis. Jordan Brown enters the portal from Louisiana Lafayette. Tennessee fans will remember him from the round of 64 game this past year. You know, former five-star recruit, by the way, who's now on his third school and will be 25 by the end of the season. He's going to be a starter. Javon Quinterly, former Alabama point guard, also mm. going to be 25 at the end of the season. Um, is this all good? I think it could be. It's never I, not. When is it ever not good when players are older, like an older twenty-five-year-old type? Or obviously, that's an extreme version. But older teams, have you dug into that? Do older teams, generally speaking, win more? Not really. I, mm. More talented teams do, and this yeah. team's got a lot of talent. But um, the thing that interests me most is like I, I think of them as like very high floor, but possibly a low ceiling where I can't picture them finishing top 15, but I could easily picture them finishing like top 30, where I think they're just going to consistently be like one of the 25 to 35 best teams all year long, which is fine. I mean, that's sustainable at Memphis. Mm. But the, the, the thing that's tough to predict here is like, there's really few examples of teams that are a this old and B, uh, did not return basically anything from their previous year's roster. Like the two obvious um, teams you would compare them to are last year's Missouri and Kansas state teams, really old teams, though both of them had new coaches that returned functionally nothing from their previous groups. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think it's going to be a good shooting roster. Based on last year's stats, this team would rank in the 300s in three-point attempt rate and about 230th in three-point percentage. Walton, Quinterly, and a, a D2 transfer named Jonathan Pierre. Those guys are good shooters. That's about it. But I uh, I don't know. I, I think that it's going to be good. I think that they're going to have a high baseline. But I think I can see exactly how they lose uh, when the going gets like when it gets really tough, they just can't. It's going to be another Memphis team that can't really shoot their way out of a jam. Mm. But they are going to be nasty on the boards. Probably going to be really good defensively. I like Quinterly a lot. I think he kind of got shoved down the charts a bit at Alabama because it wasn't his type of system. And Brown is just a baller. I loved watching him at Louisiana Lafayette. So I, I think that they're going to be quite good. So I like where do you think group. they fall, Kim Palm uh, defense? Oh, I don't know. I, I think, you know, they'll probably end up like top third. I, I actually would have it the opposite of because I went to Kinsight just now. I have it the opposite of how he has it. Hmm. I would have their defense top 30 and their offense below 40th. Okay. I, they might demolish the boards. They may get to the free throw line a bunch, but I do not trust them to shoot a basketball. So I I think you have a hard cap, as Tennessee fans have found out, on your ceiling if you can't shoot it consistently. Hmm. But what, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. Okay. Um, transfer target moment, Will Warren. Uh, the transfer this week that you're most intrigued by uh, in his new spot. Um, I actually went against the grain a little bit here. Okay. I didn't pick an individual transfer, but I went to Torvik. Because mm. Torvik's got this thing that's called transfer points, which is basically just what level of value did you add in the transfer portal to your team? Mm. It's like an accumulation thing. So obviously, the more people you add, the better. But if you add a bunch of like, you know, not to be rude, but scrubs, you're not mm-hmm. going to get many points. If you add like six former starters, you're going to get quite a few points. Mm. Uh, top five teams in transfer points this year. McNeese State hired Will Wade, obviously. Mm. St. John, well, Will Wade can coach like 12 games, but whatever. St. John's hired Rick Pitino, mm. big transfer team. Memphis, we just discussed. New Mexico State, we already discussed. LSU, no longer Murray State South. Yeah. So with all of one year of data in the books on this, I went back to last year's to see how did last year's top five in transfer points, which ended up having a pretty similar total value, how did they end up performing? So these mm. were last year's top five. Missouri. Good year. Mm. Southern Miss, really good year. Sacramento State, 14 and 18. Georgetown, disaster. Bryant, 500. This year's group of five is expected to win 85 games in the regular season per part. Last year's top five won 88. So, but if you apply that same sort of logic, I think if you take those five, two are going to overachieve pretty well or you know get like 20-plus wins. Two are going to be fine-ish, and then one mm. is going to outright suck. But I don't know what it's going to be out of that group. And if it's LSU, poor Matt McMahon is uh, going to need his agent to work some magic. LSU is a weird one. I don't know how much better they'll be this year. I think you had him at like 10th in your preview. Or I've got him 10th. I was yeah. surprised that they were 13th in the SEC media poll. I, yeah. I wouldn't put them that low, but I, I think... Mm. The, the LSU problem to me is, yeah, they got better, but so like everybody is reading the portal now. Yeah. You got to go get talent. You got to go recruit. 
you gotta you gotta you can't live in the portal points. yeah you can't live in the portal unless you are getting like what memphis did in the portal every mm-hmm. year to survive in the sec i also just think the sec is hard like it's kind of wild though too like i don't see a way south carolina gets out of the gutter in time for um lamont to save his job I really hope they do because Lamont seems like a great dude, but yeah, yeah, I I don't really like that roster very much. And you know, not to digress fully into the SEC, but yeah, I mean, everybody added something. Like Ole Miss completely remade their roster. LSU completely remade their roster. Florida did. Yeah, yeah. A lot of teams really hammered the portal. Even Alabama got a few key contributors out of the portal. Mm -hmm. Um, so not really Tennessee uh, though. Well, Tennessee got one. They I'd had say two, one and, and they lost them, yeah. Mm. Gain, kind of like borderline rotation. Connect is obviously going to be a huge piece. I maintain so. that if Gainey's a major part of this rotation, things have gone very, very wrong for Tennessee basketball this year. Uh, I disagree. I think if he's a great part of the rotation, it means he's shooting like 44% from three. Where and I'm I just... Like, yeah, play. Yeah. I just don't know if I see it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong on, Justin, uh, on Jordan Gainey. I don't know. Either way, so let's go over these five again because I want your Mm. take. Of these five, so it's McNeese, St. John's, Memphis, New Mexico State, LSU. What are the two of those five that you think? McNeese, St. John's, Memphis, New Mexico State, LSU. Mm. What are the two of those five you would feel most confident in like succeeding, aka they won like 20 plus games? St. John's. Okay. I almost would lock in St. John's at 20 plus wins. The Patino effect, I think, is and that roster is pretty solid. Um, and what he put together right away. And the Big East kind of some questions with the Big East this year. I don't think UConn will be as dominant. I think you just look across the board. I don't think Marquette will be as good. I think Marquette will be good, but I just mm-hmm. think there's kind of an opening. There's not really a whole lot there. It, like St. John's can kind of slide in there, uh, with Patino, and um, I think they'll be right there. And then I'd probably say. Will Wade, if he was coaching the full season, I might say McNeese State, um, just because with everything else, like he, I just betting against him in that kind of spot, I I wouldn't do that. Um, and then I'd probably say Memphis. I'd probably say mm. Memphis is the other one for me. Yeah, I would Memphis go McNeese. McNeese and Memphis are my two picks here. Hmm. I, Why don't I you don't like St. John's? I don't think St. John's is going to be bad, but that is such a massive shift in like what they were doing versus what they're going to do and. There's a real question for me of like, yeah, I think Tina's amazing, but does that all come together as quickly as everyone thinks it will? I don't know. And do you know what he from, did his first year at uh, Iona? He won the uh, league, but that was yeah. COVID, so it was a yeah. fake season. Didn't happen. Then um, right after that, seventeen and three in the conference, twenty five and eight overall, first and first. His first year at Louisville, twenty one and thirteen. The man has not won in a full non COVID year. Do you know when the last time he didn't win at least 20 games was? And it's only happened once since 1990. It would have. I, was it early 2000s? It was early 2000s. Because the first year at Louisville was not very good. First year at Louisville, he was 19 and 13. That okay. is the only non-20 win season. Because he threw 20, 20 out. The only non-20 win season for Patino since 1989. I hear you. I'm not betting against Rick Pitino to win 20 games. I just can't. I also do it. look at the players on this roster and some of the names, mm. and I've got St. John's on Prime. Uh, player enters the portal in December. Watch. Hmm. Uh, like Zuby Ejiofor, like that guy didn't come to St. John's to play 10 minutes a game, but he might have to because that rotation's got so many dudes in it. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, it's gonna figure. Like, he's gonna figure out who the right guy. Like, who do who sticks, who doesn't. I'm just not betting against Rick Pitino. Uh, but I do think McNeese is not like a lock, but as close as you can get to one. Mm-hmm. They just have an insane amount of talent for that conference, and that's not a good conference. So I, they like if they don't win the conference in year one, I'd be pretty disappointed in Will Wade. That that there's so much better than everybody else. Memphis is more of a bet that the AAC is not going to be very good this year because you lost Houston, which is the reason you were good in past years. Uh, but you also lost Cincinnati, which is, I think, an underrated loss to take. And, like, you know, UCF, you can say what you want about them, but they've always been, like, a top 70 program year over year. Mm-hmm. I was writing about the Big 12 today for the blog, and it was so funny to look at, like, you know, UCF finished 56th in the in the in Ken Palm last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, brings back some pieces from it, and they are, like, a lock for dead last in the Big 12. <laughs> Like, and they're not going to be bad. It's just like the Big 12 is that good. So, I mean, the AAC currently has two teams projected in the Ken Palm top 80. So I think Memphis is going to benefit from, uh, frankly, some weaker competition to get up there. St. John's is in a much tougher conference. I like it. Um, but I'm still not. Uh, we're going to. This needs to be something we, we circle. I, I think we need to keep coming back to St. John's watch, Will, because we are on polar opposite ends here with St. John's. We need to keep. We need a St. John's tracker uh, with uh, kind of like Brian Ferentz for offensive coordinator. He has to get 25 points a game. We no, are that's, going to that's do... me with Kenny Payne trying to get to 500. <laughs> can, can he do it? I'm going to be tracking. I mean, that's a little bit meaner. For us, we're going to go a little bit nicer. Of does Saint are is Saint John's on? Someone say it's not mean enough. Uh, Louisville fans would say it's not mean enough. <laughs> um, Will deep yes. dive team from twenty twenty two, a very disappointing Illinois team. But it seemed like when you read it and like you read the preseason stuff, like Will Leach, one of my favorite writers, he seemed to be pretty. If I remember correctly, like he wasn't in on this Illinois team going into last year. Like, Brad Underwood, I think we can all agree, is still a good coach. They haven't had the kind of March success that you would want. Obviously, everyone remembers the uh, Loyola game um, from a couple years ago. I just, I don't know. I think they had a really kind of a down year. But I wonder from your perspective, are they... Are they, do they just have a down dip year? Do you think this is still on solid footing? Do you think this is a team that uh, will ultimately be better this year and that they're heading in the right direction? What did you see from 2022, uh, Brad Underwood and Illinois that made you reconsider at all uh, where the path is and what they did well and what you didn't like about them last year? Well, I think it was it was a combination of a lot of things. So, yeah, you, you lost AO after the uh, or IO, sorry, after the COVID year. You lose Kofi after 2022. Mm. So you're coming into last year. They ranked 340th in terms of minutes brought back from the previous mm. team. Also, I think the second youngest team in the Big Ten. So they had a lot going against him. They also could not shoot their way out of any sort of gym. I mean, Coleman Hawkins did not take the step forward. I thought he would. Uh, Matthew Mayer, honestly, is a little disappointing, I thought. It wasn't like he was bad, but the Matthew Mayer I remember at Baylor was like a potential future Big 12 player of the year. He had that Mm -hmm. star ability in him, and it just never seemed to function. But the great thing they did pull off was getting Terrence Shannon after it seems like Michigan admissions bungled another one. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
they were the beneficiaries of that. And Terrence Shannon was a baller last year for Illinois. Probably, I would argue, single-handedly dragged them to the NCAA tournament, despite the rest of the roster's best wishes. Um, I do recommend like popping on the scanning their schedule here, trying to remember. I think it was the home game against Indiana in mid-January. Mm. Good game to pop on if you want to see what it's like when a team uh, wishes they never had to play basketball with the rest of their roster members ever again. Mm. Uh, those guys hated each other. Kind of a miracle they won 20 games, to be honest. Huh. So okay. um, that gives me hope that that pot can't possibly happen a second time. Yeah. I really love uh, Underwood's defensive schemes year over year. I know mm-hmm. like the loyal Austin's in everybody's mind, but they were tremendous at rim protection that last year. And that was after losing Coburn, mm. like Coleman Hawkins was quite good at it. Dane danger. One of my favorite names to say in all college basketball, really good mm. losing mayor sucks because I think mayor is a really good defender on the whole, but I, I think this roster is just better. Uh, night one, mm. it's more well-rounded. I love Shannon. I, th- I, continue to believe in the Coleman Hawkins breakout against my best, you know, like against the smarter parts of myself. But the guy that I like that they added quite a bit is Marcus Domask from Southern Illinois. Mm. So they're finally going to have a real point guard again. So if you remember last year, I think people might've forgotten went into last season. Do you remember who their starting point guard was? No. Sky Clark. Oh, I do remember that. Okay. Sky Clark left the team after 11 games because he wasn't satisfied. I forgot all about that. Yeah, because Why he was satisfied with the offensive system. Oh. And he was pretty horrible. And the fun thing to go to is to go like your favorite analytics site, Hoop Explorer, and just type in Sky Clark on off numbers for Illinois. Mm. And they're like 20 points better with him off the court. <laughs> Poor guy. But like bringing in a guy who actually has college experience running point guard position and did a really good job at it at Southern Illinois and Domask or Domask. I haven't done the research. Who cares? We'll um, figure it out. We'll f- I'm going to figure it out by January or whenever it is they're on the big 10 network and I'm watching them win a game 54 to 50. Uh, that's when they play Wisconsin presumably. So, but I, I like this guy a lot because he never fouls 1.4 mm. fouls per 40. They played two top 50 teams last year and he didn't foul once. Mm. So he knows just how to stay on the court, which is what they need. They need a point guard who's just going to play a lot of minutes mm. because I mean, it's either him or Justin Harmon, who I'm like less convinced by as a potential point option mm. um, uh, who transfers in from Utah Valley. But uh, I think that having a real point guard is going to help. They've got a little more in the way of shooting this year. They should be able to create more interior scoring Danger for despite being like a fairly limited offensive center is really good defensively. Mm. Uh, awesome on the boards too. So uh, I've seen some people rank them in the top 25. I think I would have them like very low top 25, like 21st sounds right. Mm. I'll have to go back and check, but I think they're going to be good. Will they be, I can see a scenario where they turn out to be awesome. If Hawkins takes the next step. If Domask sustains the love production, he added a lower level. If danger levels up, or if like one of the sophomores, like Ty Rogers, takes a huge leap in year two. They've got a lot of ifs there that could swing that roster positively, but they have so much seniority on the roster that they have a high floor. So it's a team I like. And it's a coach I like too. I think Underwood, you know, I don't love what he does offensively and never really have dating back to Stephen F. Austin. But it's a coach with like, 
you never have to question the defensive effort levels of his teams any year. Mm. You always know that they're going to try really hard. They've got high floors, like five years running now. He kind of gets lost in the good coach discussion, but he's just like a plain, solid, really good coach. Mm. I just wonder, like, is he the long-term man? Do you think he's the, is he a good, I, I wonder too, like you would have a better, better perspective because you were seeing every game. Like, is he a good March coach or is it just bad luck for him? Like, because I think sometimes you can look at it as like, is it just bad luck they haven't gone deep in the post in March? Or is he uh, just not, a, is his system not good for March? What What do you think on Underwood? Should Illinois fans be concerned about his March history to this point? Well, if you remember last uh, offseason, I think we talked about Illinois at some point, And I brought mm. up the thought that going forward, they might actually have a higher March ceiling because they didn't have Coburn on their team. Mm. Because, I mean, every March game against like good competition. So like Loyola... The Houston game, that was Kofi's final one. But also the Chattanooga game before that, that people like don't remember them almost losing to UTC mm. as a four seed. Every single one of those games, the offensive game plan was just like, throw it down to Kofi. And then like, oh, guess what? They're doubling up Kofi because he can't pass the basketball. Mm. Danger, who I don't like love on offense, can at least pass the basketball a little bit. Mm. So that they've gotten better at getting their front court guys to move the ball around when they're swamped down low. They don't rely so heavily on post-ups. It's a bit more free-flowing of an offense in general. So, and the thing about March that people kind of forget about, Pratt Underwood rocked as a March coach at Stephen F. Austin. Hmm. They beat VCU his very first year as a 12 seed. His last year there, they beat West Virginia as a 14 seed and came within a point of making the Sweet 16. Hmm. So, I mean... Yeah, the results have been disappointing in March so far at Illinois, but he has like history of being really, really good once he gets there at previous stops. So I, I still got my hopes up for him. This could be the year they do it because, I mean, last year we saw a nine seed make the final four and come within a buzzer beater of the title game. Anything can happen once you flip the calendar. One might say this is March. This is March. Uh, Will Warren. Uh, any stats of the week for the good folks uh, listening on their Friday morning commute? Uh, this is a fun one. So I mentioned earlier, uh, Javante Black. So he had 123s last year at Northwestern State. Six other players have hit a, who had 100 or more threes last year are on D1 basketball rosters this year. So no team, thank God, no team has more than one player on their roster. But two conferences have two players that had 100 plus threes a year ago. Which two conferences am I referred to? And bonus points if you can guess which players. Uh, is one of Connect and Ganey on this list? Neither. Connect got close. Mm. He had 77. I was going to say, I feel like they had to be close. Um, wow. My, de- my poor departed oh, Jelly Walker. Someone is no from UNC Asheville? Is it a. It's not UNC Asheville. Tejon tra- Jones graduated. Oh, uh, because I'm thinking of team and rosters in the smaller ones that just three, uh, five out basketball, shoot a lot of threes. Um, a, a spoiler here is that three of the four are transfers to different conferences. Hmm. And they were two, I would say, wager at least two of these were like big deal transfers. Big deal transfers from where they were at? Yeah. And uh, they transferred to all three, all four of these schools were in last year's NCAA tournament. FAU? No. Hmm. So the two conferences, and then you can guess the players. Two conferences, the Big 12 and the Big East. 
Ooh. So who are the two in the Big 12? Teams or players? Uh, players. The schools these players transferred to are Texas and Kansas State. Oh, Kansas State. Um, oh, my God. I can see him. I love oh. testing your brain like this. It's so oh, my God. I'm looking at this kid right now at Kansas State. You better look down because he's pretty small. This is going to drive me nuts. What is his name? Tyler Perry. Yes. That you you know those names where you're like, that's not right. <laughs> like I had that in my head and I'm like, that's not that's not a name of a college. Well both of player. these guys have somewhat weird names because the other you have to remember how to pronounce it. Who is it? Max Asmus. Oh. And the Ooh. two that are in the Big East, the yeah. non-transfer is Cam Jones at Marquette. He hit exactly 100. And then Stephen Ashworth at Creighton via Utah State. Hmm. So if you're needing a game to turn into this winter, which you don't need my help on these because they're going to be good games regardless, mm. Texas and Kansas State, that's appointment television. Mm. Marquette and Creighton is appointment television. So there you go. So th those games will have four of the seven players who hit 100-plus threes last season. There you go. I like it, Will Warren. Those are good. When you're in the midst of a uh, your 32nd conference preview of the 32, you really got to dive deep for stuff you haven't already seared into your brain. I I like it. I like it, sir. Uh, Will Warren, what can the good folks check out from you over at statsbywill.substack.com this week? Well, they are tuning in at the perfect time mm. uh, because I am going to show feet. No, I'm just joking. Uh, um, on uh, on the Substack this week, next week, mm. and basically every Monday through Friday until uh, Final Four ends April like seventh or eighth. That's after Easter. Mm. Uh, doesn't matter. You get the point. Um, every day until then, there's going to be a post on the blog excluding Christmas. Mm. Uh, right now, this whole week, so sixteenth through nineteenth, we have previewed, and as of tomorrow, we'll have previewed. The first 20 conferences in college basketball as per Ken Palm's rankings, 32nd through 13. So tomorrow's, uh, just to give people a hint when they hear this on Friday, we're going to mm -hmm. be previewing the SoCon. We're going to be talking Big West, the Ivy League, the Sun Belt, and the WAC. So oh, wow. five pretty intriguing conferences. Yes. Um, a lot of watchable teams among those. You got Furman. Uh, you got Yale. Yale's going to be really good this year. Got a little James Madison action. Grand mm -hmm. Canyon made the tournament last year. Stephen F. Austin. Schools like that. It's like the teams where you're like, oh, I really like this team. And then 40 minutes later, you're like, oh, well, they just lost 75 to 68 to a three seed. That the word really school is doing going. a lot there for Grand Canyon. Huh? The word school is doing a lot mm -hmm. for Grand Canyon. I agree. They're, uh, they're really trying these days. Mm -hmm. I I'm hearing, uh, I better not. Anyway, uh, <laughs> allegedly. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, that's always the good go-to. But no, if you subscribe now, uh, not to hawk my own product, but you can I hawk think it's away, really sir. worth it. I hate doing sales. I know, but, but you um, got to. You got to do part of it. Here, just hit year, me up. I'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah, you can do my sales for me. Get like a real person. Have you heard the, my intro for you? That's a pretty good sales yeah, pitch. That's pretty good. 30 for a year. Mm -hmm. And because uh, I love educators since my wife was one. Yes. 20 if you have a .edu email. Okay. So if you're an academic or formerly an academic or you are forced to teach school children, 
uh, you deserve a discount. So you also deserve a discount if you're able to still get into your student account years after you've graduated. If you found a oh, way yeah. to do that. Yeah, I can't anymore. Mine you deserve it. Down. Like you deserve the the discount if you're finding a way because that was a sobering thing. Where my Washington Post uh discount expired because my uh email does not work for the university of tennessee anymore i found out recently uh because mm. he signed up i won't say who but like a uh michigan blogger of uh-huh. some repute yeah uh that might give it away i found out he still uses his university of michigan email like 20 years later how and i was like how do you do that can you teach ut yeah because i would be using I mean, uh, I would be uh, using Gmail like I have for 15 years. Yeah. Well, I mean, like what I would just, but there's so many discounts for other stuff. No, I would be like all about that, man. Like that's, yeah, that's clutch. Yeah. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. So uh, no, Tennessee's out here. Just they're ASAP. You're, you're out of here quickly. Well, no, the, the fun thing I remember is yours vols.utk.edu. Okay. Mine was just utk.edu. And then I graduated and they're like, Hey, psych, we're changing it to vault.utk.edu. <laughs> and now I can't log into it anymore anywhere. Oh. And I had like a fantasy football account tied to that. And so I had to create a new Yahoo and all that. So this is some real in the weeds uh, sport. Yeah. Uh, anyway, in... stats by Will Substack yes. is pretty good. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I do recommend like this week and next week if you're not a Tennessee fan. If you are a Tennessee fan, that full team preview, that's like an entire week from October 30th to November 3rd or something like that. Mm. So Tennessee alone is going to get like 25,000 words written about them. But in the meantime, you get to read about all these other conferences too. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I, uh, man, I don't know. I just... Tennessee, I'm I'm very excited and I'm ready to get hurt all over again. But there are some injuries right out of the gate here that I'm kind the, of the wanting. nuggets are flying right now, and I always love nugget season. It is nugget season. Yeah, uh, I'm well, I'm hearing uh, Josiah Jordan James is shooting well. That's always a good one. Josiah Jordan James at the five. That's always a good nugget to hear. I was listening to uh, uh, Ball Quest, their podcast, and they were talking about because um, Rob Lewis covers them, and they it, he said like. Josiah has, I think, this like yo not yoga, but some kind of he takes his body very seriously with the injury stuff, and um, he's very careful with it, and uh, does all this different stuff. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I, I love Josiah, but it's like, well, that's none of that's working because we know he's gonna be How banged up, you hoop, brother. <laughs> Why don't you hoop, brother? I mean, I just who actually believes that Josiah Jordan James is gonna be healthy all year? Like that's probably not happening. But the good news is Tennessee's got like. 10 playable guys they have like a strange embarrassment of riches which is nice but i know barnes would just be like if you asked him like true serum off the record like you you hate that chris ledlam left you would you were dying to do chris ledlam and uh insert another big here for multiple stretches i know that hurt his soul if he could if he could punt one of these guards onto another team or one of these young forwards and wings for him back like maybe dj jefferson i don't know but the man, I, I guarantee like you, it hurt DJ his soul. Jefferson into a trash can, to be honest. <laughs> Doesn't seem like that's going very well. No, but uh, I future like... Tulsa Golden Hurricane DJ Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, because you look at this group, and then you have another four-star guard coming in next year, and I just look at who's probably coming back, and like, there's just there's a minute crunch. Some yeah, there's, there's just no somebody has to go. Yeah, and it sucks, but I mean that's. That's basketball now, I think. I mean, look at this year. I think there's going to be some unhappy balls. Like, we're going to be number there's one. There's going to be but... some unhappy freshmen. Yeah. Who are, like, they could have gone to, like, a different top 30-ish school and probably played right away. Mm. 
Who's the Drew Pember of this group? It's got to be JP Estrella because he looks like Drew Pember. No, I think Estrella's going to start at Tennessee for a long time, though. I have to share that my friend Ryan Shannon mm. saw the Big South like preseason poll announcement and mm. texted me and said, how does Drew Pember look completely different in his photos every single year? <laughs> I was like, you're not wrong. He's doing the Jimmy Butler. I love Drew Pember. He was in the pod uh, this past year. Uh, beard and legend. No, good kid. I love the five-out basketball. I, I would kill to have Drew Pember back as a backup big, like a different kind of big for this Tennessee group. I mean, he Barnes would have never let him play this way, uh, but you know, I think he he's fun. It, he would like he's obviously balling out and doing stuff at UNC Asheville. He wouldn't have been able to do at Tennessee, but like, I don't know. What, uh, I would love. Hey, can I get like a bit of Jonas? I do to like watch some Drew Pimber tape. Like that's all I want you to do. Just be like twenty yes. percent of Drew Pimber at UNC Asheville. That'd be great. I would take ten. I would take ten too. Like just help. Like be a little bit comfortable because you watch the pregame stuff, and I'm like, I know Adu can shoot. I know he can. Yeah. I know he can. And if he unlocks that part of his game, if we get some threes from Adu wide open at the top of the key in the corner, that unlocks a lot of stuff. Feel a lot yeah, better exactly. about our bigs. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, will Warren, StatsWhyWill.substack.com. Subscribe today. Thank you as always, my friend. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 